the Passing Downs podcast. I'm your host, Rahul. Uh, I'm here with my co-host, PD. PD, what's up? Well, we're back with another episode, another playoff episode. This one, one of the biggest of the year, I guess I'd say, because it's following the biggest game of the year in the Super Bowl. And man, was that a matchup. So today we're just going to be talking about that. The obviously two massive quarterback performances that happened in that one. And then we'll do spend a lot of this episode talking about each and every team and their quarterback situation right now and what we think they might do in free agency. But for now, I'll let PD get started off with uh, his first quarterback. Yeah, so let's start with the losing team in this one. That's unfortunately... The Eagles, and I say unfortunately because Jalen Hurts put forth a masterful performance in this game. Um, it started off great, a little slow in the middle, um, as we'll get to, but from that point on, it was just all gas, no breaks. Uh, we started off in the first quarter with a couple of short passes that went for 6 and 12 yards. No, nothing too fancy here. They were just <clears throat> simple short passes to Devontae Smith. Um, then he threw an incompletion to A.J. Brown where... Um, it was a goal ball, and it was a little late, so kind of let A.J. Brown out of bounds, um, but not a horrible throw nonetheless. Then he had a really nice run for 10 yards um, off a scramble. Um, some great flexibility to pick up the first down there. And then he hit uh, Dallas Goddard open. Um, this was a nice throw because he placed it like high where Goddard could be shielded from the hit a little bit, and Goddard picked up 13 yards there. Um, and then we move to the next pass with where he hits Devontae Smith for a 24-yard gain after um, pass that traveled near the first, uh, close to the sticks, and Devontae took it for a long um, yak opportunity. Um, then Jalen completed a, a couple of, or completed a short pass, um, and that was in between a short run for the single yard that led to uh, the touchdown, and then there was a, a throwaway. Um then Jalen scrambled or ran for uh, six yards on the next two carries and had a couple of uh, completions for four and eight yard gains. Nothing too impressive there. Uh, one of them was a shovel pass. The other one was just a basic um, throw to A.J. Brown on um, a slant route, I think. Um, then um, first play of the second quarter, um, Hertz takes a five-step drop-off uh, play action from the pistol and just launches it uh, to A.J. Brown. And this is just basically a jump ball. It gives, it gives A.J. Brown a chance to make the play, but Brown just Brown destroys the corner and basically does all the work here. Um, not, not, the, not the most impressive play from Hertz, but I do appreciate that he gave uh, A.J. Brown a shot there. Um, so that leads to a touchdown. Um, and then on the next drive, um, Hertz has a couple of short completions for three and nine yards and then um, makes maybe the worst play of the season, maybe. Um, critical fumble where... Um, he, this is on third and six, I think third and six. Yeah. Um, he's, it's QB draw and, um, he's trying to switch hands to kind of avoid the defender, but he doesn't really collect the ball properly and he just drops it. And, uh, he, to further compound the issue, uh, ball goes off his foot and, uh, that just leads to a Chiefs defender walking in for a touchdown. So pretty horrible play there. But as I said earlier, um, from this point on, it's all gas, no breaks. Hurts on the next, uh, the immediate next play, um, the call QB draw again, but this time Hurts takes it for a 14-yard gain. So impressive play there. 
And then after an incompletion where he gave AJ Brown a shot on a jump ball into double coverage, um, he had a short completion that led to a nine yard gain, then a three yard gain uh, on a run, and then a short completion again for uh, four yards. Um, after a one yard loss on a second and six, um, the Eagles ran the ball for a two yard gain, and then they went for it on a fourth and five. This was kind of a theme. They they just aggressively went for it all day because they knew that Kansas City's offense really, um, they they really couldn't be stopped really by the Eagles' defense and. Um, on this fourth and five, Jalen Hurts breaks a tackle, um, which would have, if, if he had been tackled there, would have been short of the lines of game and picks up 28 yards. So massive play there. Uh, after a short completion um, that takes them uh, inside the 10 or inside the 10 yard line, yeah, um, he runs in for the four yard touchdown. On the next drive, um, this is uh, under two minutes to go. And um, this, is where, this is where Jalen really makes some great plays, but. Um, they, they didn't go appreciated by, by the Eagles offense because uh, he has a short completion for um, a, a, for an eight-yard gain to Kent Gainwell, but then um, he throws a great go ball down the sideline um, to Devontae Smith, and Devontae Smith just can't pull it in. Um, kind of a tough catch, but um, Hurts put the ball where it needed to be, and I would expect um, Devontae to make that catch. Uh, Hurts then has... Uh, a run for a three-yard gain on a third and two on, on that QB sneak that they like to do. Um, then after a throwaway, um, he has a couple of short completions. Um, and one of these is, is a big game because A.J. Brown breaks tackle and, and pushes them um, inside the 20-yard line. Um, they go a little bit slow here, and I think they could have taken a shot for the end zone, but uh, they settle, settle for a field goal instead. Um, and then on their first drive of the second half, um, Jalen Hurts uh, throws a poor pass um, on the first uh, on his first one where he kind of doesn't see the uh, line or the defender dropping into the cloud zone, and he just kind of forces the running back to take a hit where I don't think he should have thrown that pass. But then he follows that up with a nice throw to AJ Brown, and then throws an incredibly nice pass on uh, third and six to Dallas Goddard. Um, this one was in a tight window, and he just put it perfectly. Um, this one uh, outside the numbers to the left. Um, he has a short completion that goes for uh, a seven-yard gain and then another throwaway. Um, and then picks up uh, a yard on kind of a tough angle on a run. Um, uh, this next pass um, was dropped by Quez Watkins, and I think it was his most impressive throw of the day. Um, he's backpedaling and stops and throws off his back foot to kind of avoid the pressure on this kind of post route to Quez Watkins. He puts it on the money in a tight window with the defender like all over Quez Watkins. And Watkins just, as he has done multiple times throughout the season, um, just cannot come up with the ball. But it doesn't really matter because on the very next play, Jalen Hurts throws another one of his best passes of the day. Um, this one again into a tight window on this outbreaking pattern from Dallas Goddard. It goes over... Um, over goes over one Chiefs defender and drops perfectly right in front of uh, Dallas Goddard, who's um, right in front of another Chiefs defender. So fitting the ball into double coverage there for the first down on a third and 14 after they took a delay of game. Um, then Hertz um, has a couple of plays where he doesn't really get anything going on the ground. Um, then an incompletion um, where I, I think just like Dallas Goddard slipping 
that was the issue there. Um, and then um, he throws a short pass to Kenneth Gainwell, which is a little bit behind him and kind of prevents him from getting the first down. So uh, a better ball there, maybe a better result. Uh, in the fourth quarter, Hertz starts out with a couple of short completions. Um, and then on a third and two, he's faced with really quick pressure and kind of has to roll out the pocket to the left um, and kind of throw across his body, and he's not able to get um, the first down there. Um, ben Hertz on the next drive has a couple of plays. The first one, um, on a QB sneak, he picks up another first down, then he can't really get anything going. Um, and technically, this counts as a sack, but it's not really a sack um, because it's only a one-yard loss. Um, and he was kind of in scrambling motion, I guess. Um, and then on the next play, um, Hertz hits A.J. Brown for a six-yard gain. Then again, uh, on, on a uh, third and four, he goes back to A.J. Brown, and this time he picks up 12 yards on the first down. Um, then the Chiefs' defense have a pretty pretty horrible coverage bust um, where they just kind of leave Devontae Smith down the, down the left sideline, and um, Hertz finds him, but it's a little underthrown. Um, still an important play in the game for the Eagles, nonetheless. Um, on the ensuing play, Hertz uh, takes a QB sneak and, uh, again, converts. Um, and this time, uh, this one results in a touchdown. And then the two-point conversion, he makes a particularly impressive play because uh, the Eagles call a QB sweep to the left, and Hertz kind of just uh, plows through a Chiefs defender for the two-point conversion to tie the game. Um, so that was pretty much the last full drive for the Eagles. The next one is a Hail Mary, which he steps on Jason Kelsey's foot, and that causes the ball to come up short of the end zone. But um, I was very impressed with, with Hertz's performance. Um, and even despite... Um, a horrible play, and me giving that fumble the the lowest grade I possibly can. Um, he still finished with a pretty elite grade in, in my in my ratings. In so um, I was very impressed with Hertz, especially bouncing back from from that horrible fumble and still coming up with an elite performance. Um, I think he he showed what he could do on the biggest stage, and um, yeah, very very uh, impressed and proud of what he did. Yeah, a lot of great things you said there because it really hurts when I have to, you have to tell a guy like Jalen Hurts that this was a loss because he did play so incredibly well. Obviously, you mentioned that fumble where he essentially gave up seven points, and that really did swing the tide of the game, especially given when it happened. So uh, that's going to be one of the worst-rated plays, as you said, but... Hertz really didn't have a defining problem in this game that made him play bad. I feel like with a lot of other Jalen Hurts games that we've talked about, especially these last two in the playoffs, I was quite critical of him in the Giants game and the Niners game because I felt there was an aspect of his game that we saw all year in the regular season that was a little bit missing, which was his accuracy on deep balls oh, when it came to the Niners or just in general accuracy against the Giants. And in both, he wasn't necessarily uh, the elite rusher he was during the regular season. So I was, I guess there was starting to be a little bit of a question of whether he'd be able to do it when his team really needed it. And in the Super Bowl, this Eagles team definitely needed the performance of a lifetime for Mertz. And yeah, like PD said, on the biggest stage in 
uh, really his first deep playoff run. He came in and put in one of the best performances I've ever seen from a young QB in the Super Bowl. And you really saw his legs come in effect this game more than I think any other game this year. I mean, you see the three rushing touchdowns total, but in general, that his rushing ability was such a red, uh, such a weapon in the red zone. It uh, that along with that QB sneak play that's become unstoppable. It seemed every short yarded situation and every like close quarter situation in general. The Eagles had it on lock like it was a cheat code, and that's uh, heavily because of Jalen Hurts. And that deep ball, which I was talking about, struggling that was struggling the past few weeks, you saw it connect completely uh, again in this game as it has been all year, and that's what not only gave them that big lead in the first half, but even brought them back in that second half. So every aspect of Jalen Hurts' game that he showed that he had in his bag throughout the year, so to say, he pulled it out in this game. And it was, it was really a, almost a masterclass if it wasn't for his two really stupid mistakes, or one really stupid mistake, I should say, uh, in that fumble. Because other than that, it was just probably minor miscues here and there. That was really his only game-changing play. And it sucks that that was a huge reason why they ended up losing that game because that was just a fluky type of play. It wasn't really representative of a bigger problem in Jalen Hurts' game. That doesn't really happen to him much. And it sucked that it happened there, but still a great performance from him, as PD said as well. Yeah, um, you wrapped that up nicely. And speaking of great performances from young players, I, I guess he's still young, technically. Um, let's, let's talk about Patrick. Yep, still, still early in his career. Um, let's talk about Patrick Mahomes, who played a fantastic game himself, albeit on lower volume. But I was very impressed. Um, on the first play of the game, he hit Kelsey on the kind of crossing pattern, uh, fifteen yards down the field in a tight window. So great play there. Um, next play, he has a nice scramble for an eight-yard gain, and then again um, hits Kelsey on his pattern outside the numbers to the right. Um, and that leads to another 18-yard gain. Um, after a short pass, that gives a six-yard gain to the tight end Gray on like the slow screen thing. Um, he hits Kelsey again, who's this this time is it's com- it's a complete coverage bust by the Eagles. Um, he's wide open, 15 yards down the field, and he turns it into a 22-yard gain. Um, after an incompletion where I didn't think it was Patrick Mahomes' fault, um, he had a short completion uh, to Jarek McKinnon behind the line of scrimmage, which he took for a seven-yard gain. And then his only bad play, I think, of the game, um, on a third and three, uh, the Chiefs run this kind of under-center rollout type thing off play action, and um, there's immediately pressure in the backfield from the edge. Uh, I forget who it was specifically, but um, Mahomes kind of tries to avoid it, and like as he's falling, um, he sees that Jody Fortson is on the ground, and he still kind of tries to throw it to him. And the Eagles defender almost makes a play on the ball. So dangerous play there, but um, I, I don't think it was bad enough to be turnover worthy. Just um, just kind of like a missed pass type thing. Um, on the next drive, Mahomes had a short completion for a four-yard gain. And then on a critical third and eight, uh, the refs missed a penalty on Juju Smith-Schuster. And um, 
that led to an incompletion. So not Mahomes' fault there. Um, he then had a couple of short completions for 10-yard gains on two consecutive passes. Um, and then a couple of incompletions where, on the first one, Marquez Valdez-Scantling tracked the ball pretty poorly down the field. Um, and then, again, to Juju Smith-Schuster, where um, he was totally covered. Mahomes was scrambling to his right and just tried to make something happen. It didn't really happen. Um, the next play on a third and 15, um, Mahomes kind of just tries to scramble, make something up, but only gets three yards and seems to go down with an injury um, with this one. Um, kind of tweaking that angle ankle um, that we talked about. And um, I don't know, it just kind of didn't seem to affect him for the rest of the game. Uh, because starting off in this in the second half, he just came out firing. Um, he had first he had uh, an incredibly impressive completion where um, he was being hit by multiple defenders. Uh, this is in the third quarter, by the way. Um, he had a, a completion where uh, he was being hit by multiple defenders while rolling right, and he still uh, hit Kelsey. Um, pass was a little low, but um, I'm still going to give him points there for. Um, making the completion regardless because um, he was under immense duress there. Uh, on the next pass, he hits, uh, who is this? He hits Watson uh, wide open for a 12-yard game, then has a nice run for 14 yards in the red zone um, where he just kind of rolls right, makes a defender miss, and picks up those 14 yards. Uh, he has a couple of short completions, the first one resulting in a touchdown, and then on the next drive, a short one for a three-yard gain. Um, and then another one, um, which picks up first down, this one to Juju Smith-Schuster on like this little slant pattern. Um, and then in the fourth quarter, Mahomes just kind of took over. Um, on the first play of the game, or on the first play of the, the fourth quarter, he hit Juju Smith-Schuster, this one on the run again. The ball's a little bit behind him, but impressive that he was able to get the ball off with, with that pressure. Um, he then hit uh, Smith-Schuster again. This one, this pass on the money for a 13-yard gain. And then a couple of short completions that led to three- and five-yard gains. Um, the last one resulting in a touchdown where the Eagles completely blew their coverages. Um, next one, after uh, an incompletion where he threw the ball away with no one open, uh, the Chiefs boulder co- or not the Chiefs, the Eagles boulder coverage again, uh, this time on Sky Moore, and he's left wide open for a touchdown. Um and then Mahomes is kind of asked to go win the game for the Chiefs. Um, this is after um, the Jalen Hurts touchdown and two-point conversion on the ground that I talked about. And Mahomes has about five minutes left to go make, make this win happen. And he executes it pretty much to perfection. Um, after a short completion uh, to Juju Smith-Schuster, um, that goes for a 10-yard game, um, he hits Travis Kelsey, who's open for is a seven-yard game. And then after the uh, Chiefs get a run for a first down, Mahomes makes maybe the, his best play of the game where he just takes off for a scramble. Um, uh, they're kind of in the Eagles territory at this point. They're at the 44-yard line of the Eagles, and Mahomes just completely uh, outruns the Eagles' defense for a 26-yard game. Um, and then uh, they kind of throw a screen to Juju Smith-Schuster. Um, and that's Mahomes' last pass of the game because the next one is the holding um, on Juju Smith-Juster that picks up a first down. Um, and then they kind of kneel the ball to run the clock out. So very impressed with Mahomes. Nothing, No pass was truly exceptional, but the one run that was pretty exceptional and just a steady diet of very good passes over and over again, that's 
that's pretty impressive from Mahomes. And um, yeah, we talked about it like throughout this playoffs. He's probably not 100. Um, percent He had like a little tweak um, during during the game, which I, I don't think was was too bad for him because um, you know they probably gave him some treatment in the locker room, and he had like incredible adre- adrenaline going for him. But uh, the fact that he's playing like maybe 85, 90 percent, and he's still able to be an incredibly good performance. Um, one that matches up with the incredible performance by Jalen Hurts um, really speaks to how good of a quarterback he is and how good of a performer he's been in this playoffs overall. Yeah, man, Patrick Mahomes. Before I touch on the game, I want to say this kind of almost perfect uh, game he had in the Super Bowl kind of matches up with the rest of the season he had. In, in terms of accolades, he was quite perfect this year. He led the league in passing yards, led the lead in led league in passing touchdowns, uh, made first team All Pro, so Pro Bowler obviously. He won his second MVP in five years, and he came in this game obviously and won Super Bowl MVP. So accolades wise, this is concludes probably one of the greatest quarterback seasons of all time because I don't think anyone else has ever achieved all of those things. So first of all. Props to him for even being able to accomplish that. And going into the game, which ultimately made him accomplish two of those things, being the ring and Super Bowl MVP. Uh, Man, what a performance. I mean, we saw at the end of the first half, he injured that same ankle, tweaked it. Uh, This time it looked, I mean, probably not as bad as we first saw it in that Jaguars matchup, but he limped right off the field the second he tweaked it. And at that point, the Eagles were up 10. I was thinking the game was over with the unhealthy Mahomes at that point in the game. And I don't know how many painkillers, what they injected in him at halftime, but he came back out there in the second half and just kind of like that Jaguars game where he comes out in the second half, uh, this game more so, I'd say. He looked like nothing had happened and he just resumes and plays even better than he did in that first half to go out and win this team uh, another ring. And it's just kind of surprising how this early in his career, he's getting to the point where he's so poised and cool in those, you know, really big important moments that you almost ride off that it's a, it's a win or a loss for Mahomes. Like, at the point where the Eagles had tied it at 35-35, as someone who was betting money on the Chiefs, I felt very confident going into those last two minutes that the Chiefs were going to be up by the end of regulation. And I think that just kind of speaks volumes to how much Mahomes has done this, that we almost expected it out of him. And he delivered once again in that final drive where, uh, I know there's a lot of controversy on the holding call, but ultimately uh, he can't control that. And every throw that he made, in my opinion, including that last throw where I know a lot of people said it was uncatchable. I thought if there was no holding, that might have ended up being catchable. But that throw aside, he was perfect on pretty much every throw. And not only that drive, but I'd say uh, most of this game really, only throwing six incompletions in a Super Bowl is insane, even given the low volume, which kind of happened as a result as the flow of the uh, due to the flow of the game. 
I mean, we talked about the Jalen Hurts uh, fumble that scored a touchdown for the Chiefs, as well as a lot of flag yards. So uh, the numbers look a little bit lower volume-wise, I think, which PD mentioned. But in the plays that he was, you know, contributing, he played amazing and he was almost flawless. And uh, props to him for a, a great game. Yeah, um, similar accolade-wise, um, the one that jumps to mind for me is the 1999 Kurt Warner season where he did he didn't lead the league in passing yards. I think he was second, but he was first in completion percentage touchdown touchdowns and he won the MVP Super Bowl um you know like everything else was similar there except he exchanged the um uh-huh. passing yards leading for for um completion percentage lead so um very special season anyone Super Bowl MVP as well I believe so um and so mm, yeah very, elite season very there. special season for Mahomes um yeah continues his ascension into the all-time great careers um yeah that's all we can yeah, I mean, I know I joke a lot, especially on this podcast, about uh, Mahomes being the greatest quarterback of all time. And jokes aside, I don't believe that. But I think this season and uh, this performance even on the bummy ankle, putting up one of the better quarterback performances we've seen in a while, or in these past few years, these two have had probably the better quarterback performances we've seen uh, in a while, uh, it just continues his ascension into that top all-time status. I think he's getting into that top fifteen-ish range already, five seasons in, which is absolutely insane. Yeah. Um. I mean, nothing more to say. He's he's an all-time great. Um, in his prime. We'll see where his career goes from here, but. That will put a bow on the 2022 season for us and allow us to start the 2023 season. And we'll start looking at what these teams can do in free agency via trade, um, basically, or, or maybe also um, which teams could draft a quarterback. Um, we'll just quickly... Yeah, just off-season moves in general, I guess we could yeah, say. Um, we'll spend like 30 seconds to a minute maybe because there's, of course, 32 teams, but um, we just want to give a quick rundown of what we think... Um, these teams could be doing. Um, so let's start off in the NFC and let's go to the NFC West. Um, we're going to be doing this in the reverse reverse order of the standings because the worst teams are usually the most likely to uh, have a quarterback change. Um, and let's talk about the Arizona Cardinals first. So what do you think about the Cardinals? So with the Arizona Cardinals, I mean, with especially with the amount of, with the amount of money the Cardinals gave him, it's pretty clear that Kyler is their franchise guy. I mean, that was never going to change. Uh, but I think one big move that they do make uh, this offseason is whether they do it in the draft or in free agency, I think they do pick up a competent uh, backup quarterback to back up Kyler because we've seen, I guess, two years in a row now and kind of every year in his career that Kyler's not going to be able to play the full season and this Cardinals team, I mean, they're at a position right now where I still believe they're trying to compete and win games and be, I mean, they were just in the playoffs last year. I think that's their goal going into next year as well. And for a team that does want to be competitive, you need to be able to kind of still stay afloat in those few games that your franchise quarterback misses. 
Uh, and teams like the Ravens or Eagles, who also have mobile quarterbacks who aren't even as injury-prone as Kyler Murray, they've picked up uh, a guy in the backup who could keep them afloat while uh, their starter is presumably out. So I think the Cardinals definitely go out and get that. And obviously we've seen Kyler, he tore his ACL uh, late in the season, and he's going to be spending a lot of the offseason doing that. Uh, I'm interested to see how he progresses through uh, off-season camps, OTAs, etc. Uh, if he's, he'll even be able to participate and at what point uh, and at what capacity he'll be back. Yeah, agreed there. Um, I, they'll, they'll probably add like some sort of bridge to take, through, take care of the first eight games or so that Kyler's probably going to be out. Um, and that, can be, that uh-huh. can be the backup as well when Kyler comes back. So just one move I think they need to make. Um, let's go to the Rams, who I assume they have their starter entrenched in, in Matthew Stafford. Um, but I'm interested to see if they bring Baker Mayfield back because I think he's a pretty good backup. Um, and then I think John Walford and Bryce Perkins are good as uh, third and fourth stringers, so they could probably stay. Um, anything that you disagree with there? or anything? Yeah, not much more on the Rams. I think they will stick it with Stafford, but I think next year is definitely going to be a year where they look heavily at Stafford because I think if he puts up a similar year to this one where it's injury-riddled, he never really gets his groove, they have another losing year, they're going to look at uh, moving on from him. But for next year, at least, I think they give him another shot. Uh, I agree with the rest of the QB room, uh, except Baker... Uh, I think maybe I'll mention his name with some of the other teams we talk about, but I do think he kind of somewhat played his way into a st- bottom-level starting role. So I think he might test the waters there, but if not, I agree that the Rams should definitely bring him back because he, uh, he was solid for them in Stafford's a- absence, at least for what he was supposed to yeah, be. Yeah, he's an okay backup, I think. Um, so it's it, it maybe worth bringing him back. All right, let's move to the Seahawks. Yeah. Um, the Seahawks, I assume their starter is Geno Smith, but uh, I think money could make that a little bit difficult, depending on whether he wants like 45 mil versus 35 mil. That's a big difference. Um, and so I think the, the Seahawks could actually be looking at a new starting quarterback if Geno is demanding huge, huge money, like like what I mentioned. Um, and then... If they if they keep Geno, um, that's their starter, obviously, um, and then Drew Lock as the backup. I'm not I'm not a big Drew Lock fan, but um, I guess he could be a serviceable ba- serviceable backup. Um, and maybe you do want to address like the third string, fourth string, um, but they don't really need to carry. I don't think a third or fourth string quarterback. Yeah, I think the Seahawks' uh, situation might be a little bit more interesting, to be honest, because. I know Gino did just come out off the back of a Pro Bowl level season, and we talked about how good he was, especially in the first half of this year. Uh, and yeah, it does kind of depend on how much money he wants. But we also do know that the Seahawks have the fifth overall pick now because of that Russell Wilson trade, and they have the Broncos first right now. And at the top of this uh, draft class, there is a couple of quarterbacks who are definitely worth looking at. I mean, they may be a bit too low for a younger Stroud, but maybe they look to trade up uh, for one of them. And uh, 
Also, there's guys like Will Levis and Anthony Richardson who have been mocked to go around at that five pick, especially Will Levis, who have a lot of upside and could maybe sit behind Dino for a little bit, uh, who they could have for now as the next guy develops. Because uh, we do have to keep in mind when they made this trade and when they originally decided when they originally decided to move on with Gino and Drew Locke, this was supposed to be a year where they lost and then they rebuilt off that Broncos pick and their own pick. And what we, what we saw with this team this year, especially in the playoffs, is it's not necessarily ready to win now. They have a lot more pieces than they may have expected, young, good pieces. But they still aren't ready, I'd say, to win much next year with Geno Smith. So maybe they do look, look to get a younger quarterback, which was probably originally the plan before Geno's uh, uh, kind of rise to what he is. And uh, that guy will probably match up a lot better with the timeline of the rest of the team than Geno does as well. Because it is a pretty young team, especially uh, defensively. Yeah, um, I, I think I agree with what you said there, but um, yeah, w- w- it just really depends on what Gino's asking for. I think um, in the long run, yeah, and it depends on just what direction the team wants to go. Yep. Um, all right, let's look at the Niners QB situation. Um, I don't want to get it too in depth because there's a lot here, but um, there are. Yeah, we'll we'll have a full episode dedicated to it. Obviously, yeah. I'll 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 get started on this one because obviously it's my team. Uh, I'm going to be looking at this very, very heavily uh, this offseason. I said it in the episode where the Niners ended their year, and I'll say it again here. Uh, With Jimmy G, I mean, I think it's done. I think everyone's realized that at this point. Uh, I won't go into any further detail than that. Uh, He, I guess, had one last hurrah with the Niners, and it was one of his better stretches, if not best stretch, with this team, so I'm glad he could go off on that note rather than the note he ended the previous season off with, uh, with that Rams loss where he was heavily involved. So good send off for him. Looking into next year, uh, we now know a lot more about Brock Purdy's injury than we knew at the time of our recording, because right now it's looking like uh, he's gonna miss the entire off season. And maybe, maybe even the start of the year. Because this is a 9 to 12 month injury process and healing process. Uh, I think the injury he has is very similar to what many pitchers have when they overwork their elbows in baseball. So uh, he, I think he has to get something restructured in the elbow completely. And that is his throwing arm, obviously. So that's going to be very tough for somebody who already didn't have the biggest arm and someone who, I mean, he definitely proved himself in season, but he probably would have loved a, an off season's worth of time to get in rhythm with the team and prove himself even more. So I don't know what we do with Brock Purdy when he comes back healthy after he misses so much time. But what I do think will happen and I do think we should do is I think they put end up putting it in the arms of Trey Lance. I mean, going into this offseason, he's going to be healthy. He's going to have the whole offseason with the team. At some point, we need to figure out what we have in him, assess whether there's some trade value there, uh, assess what we're going to do with Trey Lance and Brock Purdy because 
it's better to get value off of one of them uh, in the trade market and build in some other position than keep both uh, when we don't really need two quarterbacks. So I say you start the year, let Trey Lance do his thing. And uh, if if he's not performing, then you give the keys back to Brock Purdy when he's back because he's already shown that with this team, he can win games. But at some point, Trey's got to get his chance and he's going to be able to do it with the team that Purdy had as well and not a terrible version of the Niners team. So that's what I think they do moving forward. Yep. Uh, you wrapped up everything that even I wanted to say. So let's move on to the NFC East, and um, let's start it off with the Commanders. This one's a pretty intriguing one, too, because I do not think any of the guys that they have are high-level starters next year, um, especially Taylor Heineke. Wentz and Howell maybe could finish as low-end to maybe, um, if they have great seasons, mediocre starters, but I am not a big Taylor Heineke guy. Um, I just think they have... Three guys who are not the answer at the position, really. Yeah, uh, I have pretty much the same thoughts on the commander's QB situation. Uh, their three guys are Heineke, Howell, and who's, who's the other guy? Oh, yeah, Wentz is there. Oh, Lord. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about Heineke and Wentz throughout their starts this year. Neither of them, I think, or both of them have kind of proven at this point that they're not franchise quarterbacks. Uh, It's the third team now that tried to salvage Wentz's career, or I guess second to try to save it after the Eagles. Uh, No one's saving that at Heineke. Heineke does have some kind of X factor in him that, like, makes him do crazy things at the end of games. He does have that little bit of a clutch gene out of nowhere, but... As an overall quarterback, he's very, very limited. Uh, Howell did impress to the towards the end of the year, so that could be a little intriguing. He did expose that Cowboys defense a little bit, which uh, even the Niners didn't really do in their matchup. So uh, I do think they end up giving him some play time next year, and he could be somewhat interesting. I don't think he has what it takes to be a franchise guy, but... He could be like a mid-level starter, and that is, I guess, an improvement on what they have now. And they were a borderline playoff team. I think decent quarterback play would have got him in there. So maybe they move on with that. So, but clearly, this is not a this is not a team that's gonna win it all uh, with a guy like Sam Howell. And they have a back half draft uh, of the first round draft pick, or uh, more like middle of the pack. So I don't see them being able to change much either. Kind of a tough spot. For yeah, them. if they get mid-level starter play from Sam Howell, that would be a pretty massive value considering he's on a fifth-round contract. So I think that that's a, yeah. maybe a source of value for them. But um, other than that, yeah, I, I, I don't really think. And I do think they have too many positional holes overall to spend a 16 on a quarterback who at that point in the quarterback or in the round will probably be like a – risky Anthony Richardson play and I don't think they have the situation right now to take a risk a swing on a miss on one of those quarterbacks all right let's move to the Giants who are looking like they're gonna pay Daniel Jones I think and so if he's back that's your starter he can be a starting level quarterback um and then Tyrod Taylor pretty capable backup so I don't think that yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a little bit of a 
prediction in the water here. I feel like, and you see this every now and again with teams, uh, I'll say you kind of saw it with the Hawks in basketball, but I feel like this Giants season is going to be a little fluky. They're going to have their little jump into the playoffs. They had this big year where they improved heavily, got a lot of young pieces, and then they jumped into the playoffs. And I feel like they follow this season with multiple uh, losing seasons because I don't think this roster has what it takes to be a winning team year in, year out. And I think a big, big reason of that is going to be, I think Daniel Jones got them fooled. I think this year, the Giants organization and the Giants fans, I heard a lot of hype about Daniel Jones, more than uh, he really deserved the way he played. I heard top 10 quarterbacks in the league hype about Daniel fucking Jones. So I think I think the Giants are convinced on this guy, and so is the fandom. I think he's going to end up getting a lot of money, and I think that's going to end up being a big mistake for this Giants team. Uh, he's going to lo- lead them to a more losing seasons, and that's going to be tough. All right, pretty aggressive take there, but I can't say that um, what I think is totally different um, from what you think. I do have hope that he yeah. develops next year, though. Um, he showed a pretty solid step up from last year to this year. He yeah, I'll, I'll give him props where props is due. He definitely was much, much better. But especially with the lack of talent on the Giants roster offensively, I just don't think they have the, any offensive firepower. And we saw that in the playoffs. I mean, against the Eagles, they had literally nothing to go to. They got locked up. And even looking at a lot of their games this year, they were just barely 500, having just barely won a lot of games. I don't even think their point differential was in the positives. So, I don't know. I'm predicting a fluke, but hopefully for you Giants fans, I'm wrong. All right, let's move to the Cowboys. Um, They have Dak Prescott entrenched as their starter for sure. Um, Backup of Cooper Rush, I think he's he's okay as a, as a backup. Um, And then Will Greer as their third string. So, I don't think they really need to make, make any moves, but um, I don't know. I, I feel like... With Dak, right? D- Dak has been injured every single year for the past four years, and it's just like, at some point, do you have to think about maybe upgrading to from Cooper Rush to like an elite level backup? Because I wouldn't, I, I don't know if Dak's play style. He like takes a ton of hits in the pocket, um, and is pretty aggressive hunting for opportunities down the field, and that kind of leads to more injuries for him. So, um, do you want to think about maybe upgrading from Cooper Rush to a better backup? because you do expect Dak to maybe miss some time there. Yeah, I mean, one thing I will point out is Dak missed time this year, and you say upgrade from Cooper Rush, but and maybe it was just matchups, but they did go undefeated with Cooper Rush this year. So I'm not saying Cooper Rush is good. I thought the whole – I mean, we talked about this on the podcast. The whole Cooper Rush versus Dak debate was ridiculous. But – uh. I don't really think they need to go look exploring for a better option if they showed that with Cooper Rush, they were able to get it done for the short period of time he, uh, Dak was out. Uh, whether his QB play was there or not, they clearly have the blueprint to get it done then. I don't even think their wins at that time was fluky. Uh, so uh, I think Cooper Rush is definitely serviceable uh, because of how good that team is. And, yeah, as far as the QB situation overall, I mean, yeah, it's going to be Dak next year. There's no there's no changes about it. 
I think even if he has a similar year to the one he has this year, which I'd be really, really surprised if he does, he's most definitely going to improve next year because this was quite the down year for him. But I think even if he has another year like that, the Cowboys stick it with them. They're kind of loyal in that sense where they stick with the same guy for a while and it takes years of mid before they move on from anybody. So I think Dak's their guy. He's going to be their guy for a while. And that sucks a little bit for Cowboys fans because he's just not good enough to win this team a ring. Yeah. Um, okay, we, we can get into that in the offseason. A big statement at the end there that you dropped. But, yeah, I also don't think he's an MVP-level player. Little, little gem there. The anyway. But yeah, moving on to the last team in that uh, division, yeah. the Eagles. And this is, I mean, this is a boring one. It's Jalen Hurts. I mean, we just talked about him having a historic level Super Bowl performance. Uh, he clearly proved himself to be an elite uh, top five, could be even argued top three quarterback in this league. Uh, potentially a MVP favorite next year. Even the backup Gardner Minshew uh, in the time Hurts was off, kept them very competitive, played very well, ran that system. Uh very well, so I think they make no changes. You just got to run it back. Yeah, man, like Jalen Hurts, excellent starter, um, Pro Bowl-level player, Gardner Minshew, elite backup, like not even just... Probably a top 32 overall quarterback playing I mean, backup yeah, for he, them. Yeah, he could probably start um, in like a bridge quarterback type role. Um, and Ian yeah. Book as well, like excellent third-string quarterback. He's taken reps in the league, so yes. I mean... They have one of the most stacked quarterback rooms. Um, they're going to rank pretty highly. Yeah, I mean, the most one of the most stacked rosters in the league has one of the most stacked QB rooms as well. Uh, there's not a whole lot the Eagles got to change. Yeah, um, let's move to the NFC South. This one, this one's a little bit of a tough one because uh, all, all of these are rough. Um, um, the Falcons. Let's start there. So, the Falcons, they they have some potential. I think uh, I'm not the biggest Desmond Ritter guy, but he showed that he could maybe stay on a field um, during that year. So maybe he progresses and, and shows that he can be like a backhand starter next year. I am not a Marcus Mariota guy, but I think he could be a serviceable backup. Um, and then beyond that, Logan Woods side, Felipe Franks. Um, okay. As third and fourth stringers, but I, I just, I think they need to, I think they need to draft a quarterback. That, that's, that's my take. Um, Falcons do not have, the long-term answer on the roster, in my opinion, um, but they have guys who could be bridge quarterbacks. That that, but I don't think that that's really how you win in this league. So um, we'll see what they do there. Yeah. Uh, well, with the Falcons, I mean, talking of the guys there, I mean, I think it was a crime against the NFL that a team decided to come in a season in twenty twenty two and think, okay, Marcus Mariota is going to be our starter. Uh, honestly, that's, that's, I can't believe that was a thing. Uh, he's gone. Uh, Desmond Ritter, we saw towards the end of the year. Uh, he obviously showed some promise in college. People had him, uh, somewhat high up on the draft boards, but I agree with PD and I don't think he's a franchise guy. Uh, he'll most definitely be a backhand starter next year, if even that, and, He's really the only person in that QB room right now that is has potential for starter-level play. 
because Felipe Franks also he's just he's just a backup if that third he's just he's a third string probably uh gadget quarterback type guy so yeah like PD said there's no answer there uh, one thing I've been seeing on Twitter recently that could be a huge uh, and very interesting thing for the Falcons team is I'm seeing a lot of Lamar Jackson to Atlanta edits, and that could make things very, very, very interesting. Now, I don't know why they would do that right now, considering their defense was also terrible last year, and they would have literally no offensive weapons aside from Pitts and London, who I guess is better than what Lamar has right now, uh, but still not a whole lot to put around Lamar Jackson. Uh, but they do have a very uh, unique and uh, interesting offensive scheme that would could use a Lamar greatly. So I'm very pro for that move. Uh, I'm excited to see if that happens. I think Lamar just ends up getting paid in Baltimore, which we'll talk about when we get there. But that's something to look out for for the Falcons. But if not, uh, that they do have that eight overall draft pick if they want to trade up for someone. But if not, I agree with the take that at some point in the draft, probably back half, if they don't draft them early, uh, draft a quarterback to have. Uh, but there's potential for splash moves here in Lamar Jackson and them moving up from number eight in the draft. All right, let's move to the Saints here. Um, Saints, they were starting Andy Dalton um, and James Winston's backup with the third string being Taysom Hill and fourth stringer being Jake Luton and... Um, I'm not, I'm not an Andy Dalton hater really, um, but not the biggest fan. I think he's, he was okay last year. It wasn't really horrible. Um, and was definitely the victim of an awful, awful situation, um, from a play calling standpoint and supporting cast standpoint. Um, I think Jameis Winston is a serviceable backup. Um, and Taysom Hill, I don't know what to do with Taysom Hill. He's not even, he's not really a backup. He's not really a third stringer. He's just like, He's very much a gadget quarterback, and I don't think you can build an offense around him. But um, I guess he's worth having on a roster if you're a good team and know how to use him. And then Jake Luton, good, very good fourth stringer. Uh, probably pretty overqualified. I think he could be a very good third stringer, actually. Um, so really interesting quarterback room, but I think they need a long-term answer at the position as well. And that, that kind of sucks because this year they do not have their first-round pick because they traded it to the Eagles. So um, that's fantastic. And... <laughs> they can't really address the quarterback position this year. Um, yeah, they're they're probably going to have to roll in to next season with Andy Dalton versus Jameis Winston. Um, so, yeah, not the greatest outlook for the Saints. Yeah. Yeah, with the Saints, uh, I think they're in a very similar situation to the Falcons. <coughs> we just talked about where I said that they literally don't have an answer on the roster no matter what. But with the Falcons, I mentioned the two splash plays that they do have potential to make because of some of the assets they have. Well, the Saints don't have those assets, so their situation is a lot more boring and they're a little bit more fucked because they really have uh, no way out of it in this offseason. I mean, Taysom Hill, at this point, we know what he is. He's he's just a wildcat gadget guy, basically. He has no future for being a quarterback in a full season. Jameis and Andy Dalton at this point in their careers should not be starters. And I mean, Andy could maybe play a really, really low level starter level play, but 
there's no point. Like, well, there's they're they're not developing in anything. There's no point in playing them. Uh, as being the Saints, you have to have to have to draft a quarterback, whether it's with that pick at the back end of the first round they got from like Denver, who got it from Miami, who I think got it from the Niners. Uh, that pick's not gonna get you an elite quarterback. But either with that pick or somewhere in the point at some point in the draft, you gotta gotta draft a quarterback, uh, just to have on the roster because you need a young quarterback on the team, and I think they might be a interesting spot for the top free agent quarterbacks. I know Derek Carr's already been linked there. I think there's a very good chance he ends up there because, uh, let's not sleep on the Saints' weapons. They do have Alvin Kamara, one of the most. Elusive backs in the league. Chris Olave showed that he was uh, very good last uh, last year. And they have some supporting weapons around them, too, with a good offensive line. So a guy like a Jimmy G and a Derek Carr could come in there and make a semi-competitive team, which is, I think, what they want right now because that defense is also pretty good. So I think that's just a free agent destination. Nothing too fancy. That's a Derek Carr slash Jimmy G slash... Whoever else spot. Yeah, right um, I am not as big of a fan as you are of the defense or the offensive line or the supporting weapons. Uh-huh. Um, but I do like Chris Olave and maybe Kamara still has one more season in the tank, but I think he's regressing pretty hard too. Uh-huh. Um, he is. He is definitely regressing. Yeah. Um, but Chris Olave is fantastic. So maybe um, uh-huh. Derek Carr can perform well with him if he. Uh, the short end of the stick is that situation. Yeah. Um. Let's move on to the Panthers. The Panthers situation is rough, man. Um, if Sam Darnold as the starter with oh, Matt, boy. Oh, Matt boy. Corral technically as the backup um, and P.J. Walker as the third string. P.J. Walker is probably the backup, actually, with Matt Corral as the third stringer and then Jacob Eason as their fourth stringer. Pretty overqualified for a fourth string quarterback. Um, but yeah, they, they need a quarterback pretty bad. Sam Darnold... Um, he's given people hope so many times throughout his career just to snatch it away. And um, yeah, he did it again this year um, with a horrible performance down the stretch. I mean, yeah, they, they they need a quarterback. They need a quarterback bad. Yeah. I mean, Carolina is in a similar situation to the other two teams we just talked about in their division where they're also screwed because they have Nobody. I mean, Sam Darnold. We we know at this point he's not the answer. He showed it. He showed it in Carolina. He showed it in New York. Uh, he's he should not be a starter at this point on any team, and it is actually depressing that he is. Uh, PJ Walker. I believe he came from like the XFL. He showed why he was playing in the XFL. That's for sure. Uh, not much more needs to be said there. Uh. Matt Corral, I remember he had a lot of hype out of Ole Miss, but he, I believe, like, tore his ACL in a bowl game, and that's why he didn't really have last offseason. And that's why he didn't really play last year. Uh, maybe they chuck him in there, see what he's got. He's kind of in a Sam Howell situation uh, where they both were in the same uh, – they were both, like, somewhat hyped out of college. And uh, as a lower-end quarterback that might sneak up and do something – uh, at a low end school, uh, so maybe maybe he comes in and does something, but I don't I, I don't expect much out of Matt Corral. I think especially after that injury, uh, uh, he was already limited physically, and this might make it more. So 
they definitely need an answer long term. They're also a candidate to get someone like a Stroud, Levis, uh, or uh, Anthony Richardson because they are number nine in the draft. Uh, I don't know what they want to do with that pick. Uh, obviously, with the Bears having number one, there's huge potential for trading up there. A lot of trade ups are in play, uh, but I really could. I think the pa- Panthers are gonna be uh, the team that makes a move on uh, one of those uh, high uh, high potential guys between Levis and Richardson because I feel like a lot of those guys we mentioned could be bridge guys. Uh, the Panthers don't have the roster to even remotely try to be competitive the next year. So they probably go with the developmental guy. That's my prediction. All right, let's move on to the Bucks. This is currently probably the worst quarterback situation in the league. Um, yeah, I mean, Brady retiring. Yeah, it's, just, left them with nothing. It's, it's Blaine Gabbert and Kyle Trask. That's the entire thing. And um, these guys oh. are I, – I wouldn't want either of those guys as my backup. I, I just – yeah, I, I couldn't do it. Um, so th- this is pretty rough. They're definitely addressing quarterback um, in free agency, maybe free agency and the draft. Um, yeah, yeah. I have no idea where they're going to. But- I would say I would say both as mm-hmm. well. I mean, Brady took took them to enough wins to win them that division, which means they have a pretty low draft pick, which means they're not going to get one of the better quarterbacks. They're completely out of play there. Uh, it would have been fantastic for them if they somehow landed with a top pick right after Brady left, but that won't be the case. So they probably have to draft a back-end guy somewhere later later in their draft. Uh, but, I mean, this is a team that just two years ago went to the Super Bowl, and a lot of that roster has aged since. They're nowhere near as good as they were then, but they definitely still have a lot of talent on that roster. I mean, with everybody pretty much having a down year on that team, they still somehow managed to win eight games and make the playoffs. So there's something there. So I think there. It, this is also a heavy, heavy uh, free agent destination like the Saints. Uh, I think Carr ends up at the Saints, so this could be an interesting Jimmy G spot. Uh, I don't know who else is in free agency. Maybe a Tyler Huntley. Uh, someone like that uh, could definitely end up in Tampa. Yeah, maybe they go for a bridge guy and they kind of tank. Um, very nice quarterback uh, in the next drafts. I like him a lot. Um, let's go to the NFC North. Um, this one, this one's pretty interesting to me too. Um, there's a lot of different things that could happen. And let's start with the Bears. Um, Bears have the number one pick, as we all know. And they're... There's not rumors that they could take a quarterback at number one because it seems that they're confident in Justin Fields, but okay, maybe I, I don't want to reveal all my thoughts, but they have they have a chance to take a quarterback at number one if they really want to. And, um, you know, Trevor Simeon is their backup. Nathan, Nathan Peterman is their third stringer. I think those are fine. Um, and then Tim Boyle as the fourth stringer, probably pretty overqualified as well. So it's just about whether they want to, Switch starter or not, but I don't think it looks like they are going to at this point. Yeah, uh, I agree with that sentiment. We talked about this before off uh, the pod about whether the Bears should even consider this. And I was heavily on the side of that they shouldn't even consider trading Fields for Young. I mean, maybe Young ends up being better than Fields, uh, but 
I do think as an organization, you can't show that you're that quick to bail on your franchise guy, especially when he's actually been playing well and progressing and doing exactly what you asked him to. I think that's bad for just team chemistry in general. Uh, that screws up their timeline because a lot of guys that already developed with fields, they're all around that same age group. I mean, Young's also uh, young, ironically. Uh, but I think that team works, has shown it works with fields. I think it's best they build around him, and I think that's what they're going to do because I don't think they've really fielded offers for fields. It's been more for that number one pick to get young. And I think that that'll do them wonders because a lot of the teams that are going to trade up, I think they're a little bit lower in that top 10, which means jumping to the one is going to cost them a lot. And a lot is what the Bears need to rebuild this team because they have a lot of roster holes. I mean, this team just won three games. Uh, They have a lot to improve upon, and quarterback is not one of those positions that they need to do that. So I say they cash in on that pick they lucked out on and uh, build around fields. Yeah, um, that is one way they could go. And speaking of different ways to go, yeah. let's talk about the Packers. Oh, boy. Uh, oh, boy. So Aaron Rodgers is currently in his um, darkness retreat, as we may call it. He will emerge yeah. from the darkness um, with the decision on what he's doing with his life. Um, and yeah, um, if the Packers decide to trade Aaron Rodgers... Um, which I think is the best course of action for their franchise. Um, they would turn it over to Jordan Love, who's shown some flashes um, recently in the starts that he's made, but nothing really large sample. But to be fair, that's how Aaron Rodgers' career started off as well. So maybe they do see something. And um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if they were like, um, they, they knew what they were talking about with um, different, like, uh, different careers with uh, Rodgers and Favre. Um, they've seen this kind of same pattern. Um, and so um, maybe they do know what they're doing uh, with Jordan Love here. Um, and then third stringer, it's pretty poor. Danny Etling, I don't think is he should be seeing the field. So maybe they want to address um, their backup and third string if Aaron Rodgers leaves. Yeah, I mean, you put it perfectly. It all depends on a man who's currently uh, in a darkness retreat which I don't know what that is, but good luck to him. I mean, Rodgers is back to his uh, off-season shenanigans of isolating himself and uh, probably getting hiked up on some sort of psychedelic and contemplating his life. He's doing what he does. So uh, I don't know what he comes back with, what decision he comes back with. Uh, but I do agree with PD that it is in the best interest of the Packers organization to trade Rodgers. It was clear that Rodgers no longer has chemistry with uh, anybody on this offense because this isn't the team he's been playing with. Uh, his timeline doesn't match up with the players currently on the roster. And this is not a competitive team even with Rodgers playing. So you might as well get rid of him, get Rodgers on a contender, let him be on a winning team in the uh, final probably five-ish years of his career, maybe less, depending on how he holds up. Uh, let him be on a competitive team, and you guys rebuild around that p- piece you spent a first-round pick on just three years ago in the same draft class as guys like Tua and Justin Herbert 
and this guy Jalen Hurts who just played in the Super Bowl. I mean, how long are you going to sit on uh, Jordan Love for? Uh, I think it's about time they move on to him and get rid. Yeah, trade Aaron Rodgers to a contender. And I do agree that they have no other depth. Address that in the draft, essentially. Get another quarterback to be the third string. Yeah. Or even backup if Rodgers yeah, is gone. Yeah, they, they do need both second and third string quarterbacks. All right, let's look at the Detroit Lions. Yeah. Um, this one's pretty intriguing too, but I don't think um, there is as, there's going to be as much activity as maybe we would have thought before the season. Um, so Jared Goff. It's looking like he will be the starter long-term, but they do have the sixth overall pick, and they could take a quarterback if they really wanted to. Um, beyond that, it's pretty poor. Nate Sudfeld, uh, as, as your backup, I'm not really a fan. Um, I think he's probably better suited as a third stringer. So probably want to address um, backup quarterback in the draft, and maybe um, they do roll into the season with like a de- developmental guy, maybe like Levis or Richardson, whoever they like there. Um, and he serves as their backup with Sudfeld as their stringer. I think that would make some sense. Um, but maybe they just kind of sign a backup in free agency and stick with Goff for another year. Um, that would be my least favorite move for them because I don't think Goff... I think we've seen enough of Goff to know that he's not going to be a, lar- uh, a long-time starter um, in this league. So, yeah, that, that's my thoughts on the Lions. Yeah, with Goff, he did have, like... Probably a career year this season. Uh, Goff statistically looked really impressive this year. And he did lead uh, one of the best offenses output-wise uh, in this season as a whole. I think the Lions were up there with the Chiefs as and Eagles as like some of the best offenses in the league this year. And Goff was the engine of that. He led a winning season. So uh, props to him. But, I mean, we've seen this with the Rams. Goff is a good enough quarterback to lead a really good roster, but he's not going to be that deciding factor that's going to win you uh, a ring. But this Lions team, I mean, we saw them improve heavily last year, but they still have a lot of young pieces and are probably a season away from being like really, really competitive for a championship. So one move that I think could be really, really interesting for them, I could see them doing is... I could see them drafting like a Will Levis at that six, which is probably around where he's going to go. Keep Goff around because Goff's a fan favorite. Everyone loves him. Uh, He fits well on that team. Keep Goff around a year. Have him play another year. Be another mid-level team. Let all your young guys develop as well as Will Levis. And then you give him the reins the next year or the year after whenever you feel he's ready. Uh, Because he's also... Uh, I think on the younger end, and obviously a project, and the Lions do need an answer long-term, and if they can get it while keeping Goff for now, that would be sick. Uh, They're also a huge trade-up candidate, because I've heard a lot of Stroud to Detroit talks, and that could be very, very interesting, because I think the way C.J. Stroud plays, he fits very well with guys like T.J. Hawkinson and DeAndre Swift, uh, and Jamison Williams, in my opinion. I think a lot of those weapons are similar to guys he had at Ohio State. He would link well. That trade-up could be very interesting. So I I think the Lions end up doing something something interesting here. 
uh, more so than just stick with Goff and use that pick on something else. Because uh, the Lions have been very prone to making moves as of recent. Yeah, um, I, I love CJ Stroud's fit. I think Stroud could quickly provide the value that Jared Goff is providing. And you, you did say that Goff yeah. is the engine of this. I think Ben Johnson's the engine of this offense, to be honest. And I'm not really as high on um, this year from Goff. Engine in the sense on the field where he's just getting the ball to play. I guess I would go for Amon Ross St. Brown then um, for an on-the-field engine. Um, And then I would also say that 2018 would be Goff's career year. But um, not too important. Goff is probably going to be the starter regardless of uh, what we think this season. Yeah. Um, Unless they trade up for Stroud. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll see. see. Um, Let's go to the Vikings. And um, this one, pretty boring. Um, Kirk Cousins is almost guaranteed to be the starter, but if they're if they're like really forward thinking, um, they could look to move him via trade this off season. Um, he's a good player, but you know the the way the contract is set up for him, it's it's tricky to work around, and that that's been the issue for his entire career. His contract has been limiting for team building. Um, and then they probably need to address the backup. Uh, they don't have Kellen Mond anymore, so it's just Nick Mullins um, as the backup. And I'm not the biggest Nick Mullins fan. Um, he could probably do something in a pinch, but you ask him to start more than one game, it's 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 bad. So, yeah, I mean, actually, maybe I changed my mind. Kirk Cousins barely misses any time. You probably don't need a high-level backup. Um, but if they do move off Cousins, look for them to draft a quarterback for sure. Yeah, uh, I don't think the Vikings are going to be as forward-thinking as you with the trade. I think off the back of this 13-4 and four season, they probably think – I I think the Vikings think right now that, damn, we got unlucky that one day against the Giants. I don't think they think they have glaring issues on this team, and I think they try to run it back because they feel like they were just barely smited uh, this year. Uh, so – and. Kirk was obviously a huge reason they were there. He never necessarily played poorly in that uh, playoff game to get them out of there, except for, I mean, in that one clutch moment we all know about. Uh, So, yeah, I don't think they really changed their QB room. I think they keep going with this year off the back of a very impressive season overall. But I think the league knows the Vikings are a little bit fluky. But I don't think they do, and I think they run it back, not realizing that. All right, let's move on to the AFC. Um, this one's a little bit less interesting because the AFC has the better quarterbacks, but uh, let's start off with the AFC West, and let's start with the Denver Broncos. Um, this one is one of the few interesting ones because uh, Denver's they are committed to Russell Wilson um, via contract, but um, they could look to a to take a young quarterback at some point. Um, if Russell Wilson starts playing poorly like he did last year, they could move um, that young quarterback to the starting position and kind of see if they could get an answer that way. So that's kind of what I think. But uh, what are your thoughts? I mean, I think the move to get Sean Payton, which we saw happen uh, pretty recently, uh, kind of confirms where they're headed. I think the big reason why the Broncos wanted to get Sean Payton was because of his time with Drew Brees, obviously another shorter quarterback with a similar skill set to Russ uh, at this point in his career. 
Uh, I think that's why they got Sean Payton, and I think they're going to stick with Russ as a result. I don't see them even trying to move on to a younger guy or even drafting someone this year. However, uh, I think right now their backup is Brett Ripien, and their third string, I don't even know who he is. Uh, and Russ, obviously, being older, may miss time at some point. Uh, I think they draft a quarterback in the back half or pick up a, definitely a better backup because they need a deeper QB room for sure. All right, let's move to the Raiders. The Raiders are an interesting one here. Um, they just recently released Derek Carr, so he's not going to be on the team next year. Um, and th- they're, they don't really have an answer on the roster, in my opinion, right now. Um, Jarrett Stidham is technically penciled in as the starter, um, with Chase Garbers as the backup. So they really, they really do need um, another quarterback, probably a starter. Um, unless they think Stidham is like a bridge guy and they kind of just tank this year and, and figure out their, their stuff next year. But, um, I would look for them to address quarterback in the draft and free agency probably. Yeah, I think the Raiders are kind of screwed here. I mean, uh, I think the way they treated Derek Carr at the end of his tenure in Ocar in Vegas was kind of bad and it's kind of deserved that they got nothing out of all the time he's been with them. I mean, he wasn't the best, but they definitely didn't need to kind of oust him the way they did. Uh, And now with him not there, they literally have no other option. They do have the seventh overall pick. And knowing the Raiders, they're a pretty aggressive uh, franchise in front office overall. I mean, we've seen in recent years with, like, that Devontae Adams trade. Uh, I think they – having pieces like Devontae Adams still on the team, I think they – want to have a quarterback to keep them competitive and they do have the seventh overall pick so I think they either go after like a Jimmy G or uh maybe a potential Aaron Rodgers trade reunite uh Rodgers and or Adams or they just take that seventh pick and uh trade up for someone like a CJ Stroud or a Will Levis but I think they definitely make a splash move rather than stick with uh, whoever they Jared have Stidham, right now, yeah. which is nothing really. Yeah. Jared Stidham, which is basically nothing. Yeah. You you don't want to go in the next season with Jared Stidham, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to argue with you. Um, all right, let's go to the Chargers. So definitely have their starter in Justin Herbert. Um Backup Chase Daniel, um, we'll see if he retires. Um, he's getting up there a little bit, but um, we'll see what happens with him. And beyond that, it's Easton Stick as the third stringer. So maybe they do want to address backup quarterback uh, because Chase Daniel is getting up there. But um, other than that, they, they look pretty good to go. I mean, yeah, nothing much more to say. Herbert's the obvious franchise guy there. He will be for a long time coming. Uh, we won't have to talk about that for a while. Backup, maybe the they addressed in the draft or uh late in the draft or a small free agency pickup. That's about it. Yep, and let's move on to the last team in this division, um, and that's yeah. the Chiefs. And it's okay. I I got this one. They have the greatest quarterback of all team all, all time. Uh, no no more questioning really needed to be added. Okay. They're sticking with the goat. Okay, um, but quarterback is actually a need because uh, Chad Henney just retired, so they they do need to pick up a backup quarterback. They do need a backup. Yeah, Shane Bouchelle is not going to cut it, so 
um, look for them to draft. I, w- I would probably um, go for free agency, actually. Um, go for like an older guy who probably synergizes with Mahomes better, gives him a little bit of veteran savvy uh, to learn from. Yeah, that, that, That'll probably be the best move, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. All right, let's move to the AFC East. This one has a little bit of intrigue. Let's start with the Jets. The Jets are a mess of a quarterback room, for sure. Um, oh, boy. Yeah. I mean, they haven't technically moved on from Zach Wilson just yet, but I think this season showed that they've moved on from Jack, Zach Wilson. Uh, and outside of him, they really have – uh, like Joe Flacco, he's no answer at his age. Uh, they had another guy from like the XFL or something. He obviously was not an answer. Uh, Zach, or uh, what's his name? Something Mike White. White. Yes. Uh, Mike White. I mean, he's funny. He's a funny meme, but he's also not the answer there. So they have no one, and their pick isn't too high in this draft either. So. I, I think this is also a, a very, very likely Jimmy G spot. I mean, I've said it for a lot of time, a lot of teams, but Jimmy G really could go to the Jets because uh, obviously former Niners coordinate, defensive coordinator Robert Sala uh, coaches there. Jimmy does have a relationship with them, as well as a lot of former Niners have gone to uh, the Jets in recent years because of Robert Sala. Uh, so he kind of is familiar with that system. He might head over there. Uh, I think that's what they end up doing because they definitely, definitely have a winning level roster right now. And they probably don't want like a mid-level young quarterback on that leading that team again. So, yeah. yeah kind of a mess here. Um, there are two backup level quarterbacks and I, I would call Zach Wilson a third stringer, I guess. Um, and Chris Traveler is, is is awful, so I, I don't I don't think he's worth having uh, on your roster. So, yeah, definitely looking to make a move in free agency. I think um, we'll, we'll see who that is. It, it might be Rogers. I, I think that that seems like a good fit there. Um, Rogers, there could be interesting. Let's look at the Patriots. Um, they have Mac Jones as their starter right now, with Bailey Zappi as their backup and Brian Hoyer as their third stringer. I actually. I actually like this quarterback room a little bit. Um, I think with an actual offensive coordinator and not Matt Patricia, Mac Jones can look like a reasonably competent starter. And with his contract, um, being on a rookie contract, of course, um, I think that'll be good value. And then Bailey Zappi, I think, is already a pretty competent backup. And Brian Hoyer is a pretty fantastic guy as a third stringer. He's basically a coach um, at this point, but he is technically on the roster and um in like the limited snaps he's played recently, he looked okay. So um, I'm, I'm a bigger fan of this QB room than most. Yeah, I mean, in terms of depth, yeah, that's cool. They they, they have their uh, quarterback depth on lock. But one thing that some of these teams have, which I'm not too confident in with the Patriots yet, is their starter. And I said coming into this year that I'm not sold on Mac Jones and – uh, he kind of proved this year why a lot of people were still not sold on Mac Jones after his rookie year. So, honestly, that's my biggest like concern or question mark with them. In real life, I know they're not changing anything. They're going to stick it with this quarterback room. They're going to run another year with Mac Jones. He definitely, definitely has done enough to deserve being able to play out his rookie contract. 
But long term, I don't think uh, he develops into a good to elite franchise guy. And I think that's something they're going to have to look at next offseason uh, when we talk about this I again. think um, I think no matter what, he's still going to provide value on the rookie deal because of how cheap it is. So I think th- yeah, that is an answer true. for now for them. And you can build it. He is definitely significantly better than anything else they could get on a rookie deal level money at this moment. Yeah, because of like kind of their draft pick status, I think. Um, yeah. So I don't think they need to like aggressively address anything, but next year it might be time to address uh, the quarterback position again if Mac Jones plays poorly yeah. in a better situation. If he doesn't go back to his rookie year standards. Yeah. All right, let's at least look. At, let's look at the Dolphins. Um, Tua is their starter. I think that's that's set in stone with Teddy Bridgewater as the backup and Skylar Thompson as the third stringer. I actually like this quarterback room quite a lot. Um, Tua showed that he could be pretty good um, when he was playing this year, and Teddy Bridgewater is a pretty fantastic backup when he's healthy. And I actually don't even mind Skylar Thompson as a third stringer, even though he's he's shown that he can't start for a long stretch, but he is a third stringer at the end of the day. Um, you only really can count on his third string. You're playing for maybe one game a year. So, um, yeah, I don't really mind this quarterback room at all. Yeah, well, one thing interesting about this quarterback room off the bat is uh, I believe Teddy Bridgewater is actually a free agent. So I'm interested to see if they uh, bring him back. He was obviously huge for him them this year because uh, Tua was out so much, and he definitely kept them afloat while Tua was out. And, I mean, we know about his injury history. They definitely need to serve some backup. So, I think they do re-sign Teddy B. He's been in the system, and uh, he's shown he can keep them afloat. Uh, and the starter is pretty clearly Tua. I mean, we saw at his best what he could do this year. Got very unfortunate uh, injuries this year with the concussions. Hopefully, he gets a more healthy year next year to show what he's capable of, but uh, yeah, that's probably the QB room going forward. All right, let's look at the Bills. The Bills have a pretty fantastic quarterback room. Of course, Josh Allen won. Yeah, they have Josh Allen. Josh Allen is going to start. I mean, we know yeah, that. I, I think so, too. Um, and then as the backup, Case Keenum, pretty good backup in my opinion, and then Matt Barkley as the third stringer. Um, even though he's kind of regressed yeah. for sure, um, I think Matt Barkley is a pretty good third stringer as well. So pretty deep and strong at the top. Um, really everything that yeah. you want. I also agree that uh, both of those guys are solid backups for Allen. Uh, I believe Keenum is also a free agent this year, so I think he re-signs with the Bills as well. Yeah. They're running it back with this QB room. Nothing to change there. Yep, yep. Okay. So let's move on. Oh, boy, this one's a rough one. <laughs> the AFC South. AFC South. Um, the Texans. Well, let's start here. So the Texans are 1,000% getting a starter. Davis Mills is not cutting it. But I do like Davis Mills as a backup quite a bit, actually. Um, Jeff Driscoll, pretty strong third-string quarterback if he were to be in that role. Um, and then Kyle Allen's pretty horrible. I, I don't think he should be um, in your quarterback room. Um, so we'll see. Um as long as they don't get leapfrogged for the number one pick, um, Bryce Young should be the pick there, I think, for the Texans. That's at least what the mocks say before I finish up my evaluations for the draft. But um, it looks like Texans fans want Bryce Young. And um, as as of now, the Bears don't be looking to um, 
take a quarterback or trade that pick for now. So that's probably the course of action for them. Yeah, seeing Davis Mills all year and seeing the Texans go to the bottom of the league, I think up until week 18, it was like literally written off Bryce Young to the Texans. Now, because they're uh, stupid and decided to fall from that bottom pick uh, and have the number two pick, there's a bit of ambiguity. I mean, there's no there's no questions that the Texans, if the Texans are going to draft a quarterback or not, we know for a fact that they're drafting a quarterback uh, with that number two pick, no matter what. There's no changing that. Uh, the question only now is, uh, whether someone, like Petey mentioned, whether someone leapfrogs the Texans and takes Bryce Young. Uh, I think their number one choice there is Bryce Young. But as we talked about, between like 6 through 10, there are so many teams that want quarterbacks and have the assets to trade up for a Bryce Young and, and really need him. So I honestly think they get re- leapfrogged and end up with C.J. Stroud. Uh We'll see if I'm wrong, but that's what I think ends up happening. And, yeah, I think they just run it with a younger Stroud, whoever they get. That's going to be their starter, and they go from there. All right, let's look at the Colts. This one's pretty rough. Um, In technicality, Nick Foles is the starter with Sam Ellinger as the backup and Matt Ryan as the third stringer. So, um, yeah. They are, they are yeah, I mean, the Matt-Ryan experiment clearly didn't work. Yeah, for sure. Um, Ryan probably looks like a really high-end backup or maybe a bridge quarterback at this point. He's really fallen off physically and um, can't make the plays that he once used to. Um, Nick Foles is pretty horrible, and uh, Sam Ellinger probably has a future maybe as a backup, but I don't think it's beyond that. So they're definitely looking for a long-term starter on the roster. Um, look for them to pick a quarterback at four or jump up to that number one spot. That's been a heavy rumor so far. Yeah, I I think that's very, very likely of them jumping from four to one to snag young, especially when they're doing it to a divisional rival in the Texans. Uh, Very, very good chance that happens. I don't think this is a huge free agent destination necessarily, even though this is a, it's a pretty good roster. I just don't see the Colts having any reason to try out with another free agent quarterback. Uh, they tried it two years in a row now, and they've kind of just done that ever since Andrew Luck retired. I think it's about time they invest in a, a franchise quarterback, and I think Col- the Colts themselves are starting to realize that. I think that's what they do because, like like you said, Ellinger, Foles, Ryan, none of them are cutting it. They they have to They have to cut ties with the whole – one-and-done experiments, and move on for once. All right. Let's move on to a better team here and look at the Tennessee Titans quarterback room. So they're starting Ryan Tannehill with technically the backup being Josh Dobbs and third stringer being Malik Willis. Um, I think there's potential here for this to be okay. Um, it just takes Malik Willis like looking competent on an NFL field, which he hasn't done so far. So maybe there isn't enough evidence yet for that, but like – I would expect some development to where he's like some sort of backup level quarterback next year. And then Dobbs as your third stringer seems okay to me. Um, and I, I'm I'm okay with Tannehill as the starter, but you probably want to move off of him um, if you're going to keep him around this year um, because he's getting up there in age. The injuries have clearly started to take an effect on his play. And um, 
yeah, he's no longer the player he once was uh, a few years ago. Uh, yeah, I mean, if I were in the Tennessee Titans situation here, I would definitely, definitely move off Tannehill at this point. I mean, uh, quickly touching on the second and third stringers, I think Willis and Dobbs will be fine for their respective roles there. However, uh, they share the second and third string role. Dobbs was uh, good enough for his role when he came in. Uh, Willis clearly wasn't, but he was obviously a highly experimental quarterback. Uh, there's still potential. They may even want to start him a year or two down the line from that. So hopefully he shows some steps. He may even get some playing time uh, if in case the Titans uh, want to move in that direction one day down the road. Uh, but as far as even this year, I think Tannehill serves no purpose. For this team, I think uh, this year, I mean, they were good with Tannehill at the helm, but I mean, no one's picking this Titan teams, this Titans team with Ryan Tannehill over like the Chiefs we saw in this playoffs, the Bills we saw in these playoffs, the Bengals they saw we saw in these playoffs, even a healthy like Ravens team uh, maybe. Uh, I think even the Jaguars they may have beat them out uh, for the divisional race regardless of if uh, Tannehill had gone down. So I think in the AFC, with how good it is, this Titan team is not good enough with Ryan Tannehill. He's getting up there in an age where he's not uh, elite enough to overcome all the problems they have on that offense uh, with the offensive line and like having a pretty subpar receiving core. Uh, and he himself isn't that good anymore either. So I would say move on, but what I think they'll do is they'll probably stick it with Tannehill another year, have another poor season, and decide what they're going to do moving forward, whether it's Malik Willis or a drafted guy in the next offseason. Yep. Um, Let's look at the Jags um, as our final uh, team of the AFC South. So they have their starter in Trevor Lawrence. Um, I think we're confident in that. And then as their backup, CJ Beathard, I'm not – uh, I'm not a huge hater. I'm not a huge fan. He seems okay as a backup. Um, but third string and fourth string, Nathan Rourke and EJ Perry, pretty poor. Maybe they want to look look to upgrade that. Um, yeah, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, agreed with Lawrence, obviously. He's clearly shown he's a franchise guy. Uh, could leap into even stuff like MVP conversations or all-pro conversation next year if uh, he progresses as people expect him to. So that's clear. Uh, as, a, not for, as a Niners fan and uh, someone who's seen C.J. Beathard for a prolonged time, uh, I wouldn't love him as a backup. I think uh, your starter being Trevor Lawrence does make it somewhat acceptable for you to have C.J. Beathard because he hasn't really shown that he'll miss time at all. He hasn't missed a game yet, I don't believe. Uh, so you don't necessarily need an elite quarterback there, but, uh, CJ Beathard, I think is better suited as a third string. Uh, I say they probably draft a quarterback late in this draft to compete for that second size third string role. Cause those other two guys you mentioned, uh, yeah, they shouldn't be on NFL rosters and Beathard's better as a third string guy probably. So maybe a mid-level quarterback to back that up. But other than that, they're, they're pretty much set with their starter, so they're in a good spot. Yep. 
All right, let's move on to the last division here with the AFC North. And oh boy, um, first one, the Cleveland Browns. Um, they have their starter with Deshaun Watson, for better or for worse, um, based on what he showed last season. There, there seems at, at, at the very worst, uh, or at the very least, there are a wide range of outcomes um, for Deshaun Watson next year. Maybe he looks like he did in 2022, and it's it's just horrible. And maybe he looks like he did in 2020, and it looks fantastic. So, um, yeah, a lot of different ways that this could go. They have a fantastic backup with Jacoby Brissett. Um, maybe probably a top three backup off the top of my head. Um, really, really good player. Um, and then Kellen Mond is the third stringer. I don't really mind that um, if they are assuming that he develops a little bit. Um, so, yeah, what, what are your thoughts on the Browns, what they should do? Uh, I'm actually glad you brought up Jacoby Brissett because much like a lot of the other backups we talked about, uh, Jacoby Brissett is a free agent as well. And I think given the situation, if I'm Jacoby Brissett, who I came into the Browns and I outperformed Deshaun Watson heavily, uh, both in terms statistically and winning, uh, I wouldn't want to back him up again here. So, uh, with Jacoby being a free agent, I think he might. We've talked about a lot of teams, uh, especially in the NFC, who need quarterbacks, many of whom who we said could be free agent destinations. Uh, I think uh, Jacoby jumps ship and heads to one of those teams because, to me, he's clearly shown in the time he was starting that he's a starting-level quarterback. He's definitely not someone who's going to have a Geno Smith-level jump and become like a pro bowl level player even like a above average starter uh, I think his ceiling is average starter but I think there's a lot of teams in the league that could use that so I actually don't think he sticks with the Browns uh, and talking about their actual starter now I mean it's obvious it'll be Deshaun Watson they're in a similar uh, situation to the Broncos where they've invested so much into this Deshaun Watson thing that they're not giving up on it after the five, six games they saw him at the end of last year. So, obviously, the starter is Watson. Uh, like you said, for better or for worse. I'm leaning more towards the... I think he might be more similar to what we see in 2022 moving forward rather than the 2020 self. Uh, I think with all the time off and uh, time away from the league... And all the ambiguity of whether he'll ever play again. He might have never recovered uh, where he was at that point. Uh, maybe a whole season with this team practicing and being with the roster changes things. And this Cleveland Brown th- team becomes like a powerhouse because that's what, would the, what, that's what they would be with a good Deshaun Watson. Uh, but... I think he'll be more similar to what we saw last year. Yeah, let's move on to the Steelers. Um, I don't really want to talk about the Browns anymore. Um, The Steelers have an interesting situation. Um, I think Kenny Pickett showed that he could be a pretty good quarterback down the stretch last year. And if nothing else, I think he will be a starting-level quarterback next year. Um, Mitch Trubisky, reasonable backup probably. And Mason Rudolph, pretty strong third stringer. So um, I actually kind of like this quarterback room to be okay. And especially... For the fact that Kenny Pickett's on a rookie contract, they could have something if they actually made good moves as a front office. But um, yeah. it's, it's pretty rough there with, with Pittsburgh. Yeah, depth-wise, I agree that they're good with uh, Rudolph and uh, Trubisky at the two and three spots. Uh, I think Pickett showed this year that he deserves at least another year as a starter. 
he did enough to show that flashes of maybe being a franchise quarterback. So I'm interested to see how that develops next year. Uh, he definitely has the weapons to be successful there. So, yeah, I think he's the starter. Those other two are the backups. Not much change going on there. All right. Let's move on to this one, the Ravens. Um, this one's pretty interesting because Lamar Jackson is obviously a free agent. And yeah. if you don't if you don't keep Lamar Jackson, your answer on the roster is Tyler Huntley and Anthony Brown. So it could get rough if Lamar leaves, but um, that, that, that might be what they're yeah. staring at right now. Yeah, right now, I believe both Huntley and Lamar Jackson are free agents. So that's they. I don't really know who they have on the roster right now. Uh, they definitely at least re-sign Tyler Huntley if they don't want to pay Lamar. Uh, I think the sentiment throughout the year, though, was that they were going to repay Lamar. Uh, I don't know what you would be doing as an organization if you draft a quarterback who, in his rookie deal, won an MVP. Uh, if you don't bring him back, bring back the guy who's kept you afloat for pretty much ever since he's uh, gotten on the team. Uh, I don't know what you're doing as an organization. So I really do think they pay Lamar. Uh, whatever he wants to keep him around. And if they don't, it'll be a big mistake. But it's definitely something to look uh, to the whole offseason because, as I mentioned with the Falcons, uh, they're heavily linked to uh, Lamar. Uh, teams like the Jets or the Bucks or the Saints, those could also be great Lamar destinations. Uh, maybe someone like the Raiders. I don't know. But a lot of teams that could trade for a Lamar Jackson or uh, sign him in free agency – a lot of teams have the money to do so. I do think it'll end up being the Ravens, though. Uh, I don't think they'll be able to afford uh, keeping Tyler Huntley as well. So I could see him being the starter or a high-level backup on some of those teams that need a high-level backup. So I think Lamar comes back, Huntley goes, and they're kind of in a sticky situation with their QB room depth-wise. All right, let's move on to the last one here, and that's the Cincinnati Bengals. Um in my yeah, opinion, in my opinion, they have their starter in, in with Joe Burrow. Um, mm, hot yeah. kick. Um, and then at the backup spot, Brandon Allen. Um, he could probably be okay as a backup, but I might want to upgrade uh, from Brandon Allen. And then third stringer being Jake Browning, not very good there. Um, so maybe they do want to address the depth, um, especially with Brandon Allen. Kind of, he's he's thirty at this point. Um, maybe he's starting to transition into maybe what's a third string role for him. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see what yeah. they do. Maybe they want to address the depth there. Yeah, I'll I'll drop in a little hot take to end this episode off. Uh, I think Joe Burrow is the second best quarterback in the league, uh, and I'll just leave it at that. So that he's definitely starting. We all know that. Uh, and yeah, I I agree with what you said with their next two guys. I think Jake Browning's not an NFL-level quarterback. I don't love him being in the QB room at all. Uh, and Allen's starting to get to that point in his career where a third-string role seems more likely. So I could see them going out and signing one of those guys I mentioned uh, who were in free agency as backups or maybe drafting someone, uh, however they do it. But Burrow's obviously the starter. All right, that'll wrap up our episode for this one. Um, a bit of a long one, but 
a long yeah. one. Um, but yeah, thank you guys so much for sticking uh, with us for the entire 2022 season. Um, we're looking to do much better for the yeah. 2023 season than we did um, in, in terms of... Yeah, uh, we got big stuff in, in terms of viewership, yeah. And we're going to go through every quarterback room um, once we finish draft coverage. So um, that should hopefully be a lot of fun um, looking at things in depth. And yeah, anything else you want to say, buddy? Uh, not a whole lot. I'll just say... We're going to take a bit of a break, I believe, and we're going to get started into draft coverage, like you said, and then off-season news. Uh, we'll try to do bigger and better things as we move along. This was our first season doing it. And if you guys were here, thank you for being here. Uh, and keep coming back. We're going to try to improve and make this as entertaining as possible. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening. Make sure to like, leave a rating, subscribe, do what you need to do on whatever platform that you're listening on. That's all from me. That's all from Potty. We'll see you guys in the next one. Take care. Peace. Yep. Peace.